The following is a hoop ball presentation. Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. Hey, good weekend, everybody. It's Friday. Friday weekend edition of Fantasy NBA Today with you here. I am Dan Bespris, and this, of course, is a hoop ball presentation. Thank you, thank you, as always, for tuning in as we continue our count up to the start of the NBA season. And really, if we wanted to say this fantasy draft day, you could pull perhaps even a couple additional days off of your board. But look, September's a 30-day month. So as of today, you got 27 days left in September and then 19 to get to the start of the NBA season. So we're under 50 days now. That's 46. That's crazy. It's less than seven weeks to the start of the NBA season. And we are in crunch time, which means we continue our journey through the Bespris Buckets. So aptly named by yours truly, because I don't know why. I just like the idea of putting players into buckets. Seems fun to me. I don't know. I'm a lunatic. You guys have gotten used to me over the years, I guess. It's the only way that I can logically say we've gotten to this point. You can follow me on Twitter, by the way, if you want more uh, idiotic-isms from your buddy Dan. At Dan Bespris, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. Never bothered to change my last name to something easier to spell. It's funny, it's only seven letters, but uh, it's very easy particularly to put the R in the wrong uh, wrong spot. So again, it's uh, at Dan Bespris. If, again, if you just search for Dan from Hoopball on Google or Bing, if there are anybody out there, 10 of you that uh, use Bing to search things, it should be like the, my, my Twitter is like the third or fourth thing that pops up. So that's a pretty easy way to find me. And that's probably what I should just be going with. Hoopball, hoop-ball.com, the website. And the Twitter handle is at HoopballFantasy. I want to continue quickly here into the Bespris Buckets, but I have to do one quick thing first, and that is an update on the MyBookie odds boost we've been talking about. We had a winner last night. The first odds boost, there are five college football odds boosts. One was yesterday, there's one today, Friday, and then three on Saturday. So hopefully, if you didn't get down on the first one, you still have an opportunity to get into four more college odds boost and one to call it an odds boost on the on the NFL is not doing it justice. It is if anyone scores a point, you win the bet. So that one is a lock. College is an odds boost. You're getting like an extra touchdown against the consensus spread on five games. The over Ohio State Minnesota was the first odds boost yesterday. We didn't actually need the fact that they brought the number down four or five points. That game went flying over the posted total anyway. Uh, but. You know, one of these is going to get close, and the fact that we're getting a touchdown is going to make a difference. It That's just the way it works. So please do, if you already have a MyBookie account, just go make your bet. I made my $25 bet yesterday, and now I have $48, roughly. It's that simple. And you can do that five more times in total with the hope that we win them all. Maybe, we, maybe we'll go 6-0 and on these things, turn $150 of profit. This is, these are bets you have to make. They don't offer them all the time because they are so much better than a 50-50 proposition. These are bets designed for the house to lose because they want us to go to the website 
and spend money on other things there. But if you are disciplined and you bet along with our buddies over at the at HoopBall gaming team, the wagering team here at HoopBall, or the hell, just do the odds boost for all I care. Play the six odds boosts on football. Play the one or two they'll probably have for basketball, college basketball. I think there's usually one. NBA, they'll probably do one. And you'll get, I don't know, somewhere between five and ten of these over the course of a year. And if that's the only betting you do, you could still make 200 to $300. So please, people, go take house money. They are giving it to you just to get you to visit their website. If you don't have an account already, go to mybookie.ag, sign up using promo code HOOPBALL, so at least they know who sent you. And at first, they'll be like, damn it, HOOPBALL sent another person to go take 25 of our dollars. But then down the line, they're like, oh, great, HOOPBALL's bringing us a lot of new people. We can introduce our, our website to them. Everybody's happy. You take home your money. We look good to a partner, and they get more users. Win, win, win. Not that many things are win-win-win in this world. This is one of them, especially if you can cut yourself off. Win your 200 bucks, go spend it on something, and wait until next year and do it again. I really don't care. You guys don't need to go spend... You don't need to spend more money than that. Our job is to get you to the website. My job, personally, is to make sure you guys end up up money, and this is a way to basically guarantee it. We left off yesterday... And I start to lose my place now as we shuffle along here. We left off yesterday with uh, Jeremy Grant was the last player we talked about. No, Alonzo Ball was the last player we talked about. And then I had shifted D'Angelo Russell down some eight or nine slots. So he ended up as kind of the last name on the list. Um, So I want to start by talking about Kemba Walker now, who's the next one on the board. And he's another guy who... I think if you're in head-to-head, you just basically write him off. Just ignore this segment of the podcast. Because I do think Kemba has a decent season in New York. He played 32 minutes a game in Boston last year. Averaged 19-4-5. He'll get somewhere around 16 shots with the Knicks. They badly needed offense this offseason. They brought in Kemba. They brought in Evan Fournier. Alongside Julius Randle and Derrick Rose. And those are sort of like the four offensive options. The Knicks, sorry, RJ Barrett. I know you got better. But to me, you're still not the uh, big-time high-usage guy. And I guess there's a possibility that Kemba doesn't get 16 shots in New York, but if he can carve out that size of a role alongside Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, and and to a lesser extent, Marcus Smart, and then even very briefly Evan Fournier in Boston also, it seems to reason that he could also carve out a pretty good-sized role next to Julius Randle, who's not as high a usage as Jason Tatum, at least in terms of shots, actually. Randle, I think, maybe more prone to passing. Uh, Jalen Brown, higher usage guy than, you know, say like a, a Fournier on this team. And the only question mark in my mind is, does someone like Derrick Rose come in and take shots so quickly in that second unit, if that's where he ends up, that that sort of squeezes Kemba out of some of the guard minutes? Because I don't know that they can play those two guys at the same time, just because of playing styles and actual size and defense on the court. That's the that's the thing that holds me back. But Kemba was number 61 on a per-game basis this year. Uh, again, it stands to reason that he can get to that level of activity on a team that badly needed offense in a way that I don't think you could say Boston badly needed offense this year, but Knicks really did. He's going to have a lot of fun playing in Madison Square Garden. He's a Northeast guy. Um, so I actually, and Roto games cap, I mean, you know you're not going to get more than about 65 games out of him. And so he may not actually hit this mark by totals. We might be erring a little bit on the high side. 
as someone who I think is going to be better per game than totals. But you guys know my draft strategy. By the time you get here to the 6th, 7th, 8th round range, which is now where we're in, you start to hunt for the guy. Okay, you got pick 70 or wherever we're talking about right now. I want to pick a guy who I think has a chance to be inside the top 60 on a per-game basis, inside the top 55, inside the top 50, and there aren't that many of those guys left on the board. Guys in particular that you look at them, you're like, oh, this guy's done it before, and Kemba has. He's a younger man then, but he's done it before. As far as the buckets go, there's no way I can put him with anybody of substantial health or upside as like a combination package. So I'm going to, th- I'm going to throw him into bucket 16 with Grant and D'Lo for right now. And we'll again, kind of reassess that a little bit later on. Next player on my list is Buddy Heald, who's a much maligned Buddy Heald in Sacramento. Um, I mean, I, I believe he was number 80 on a per-game basis last year. That's not an I believe. That's just a factual statement. Uh, he played 71 out of Sacramento's 72 ball games, And the thing about Heald is that he's been in so many rumors, and yet here he still is. And so Buddy ended up finishing because of his durability at number 41 last year, which I think we see a relatively durable iteration of Buddy this season as well. I don't think he has the upside of... Almost anyone we've talked about so far. I, I think you can make an argument that every single player we've discussed at this point has probably a higher per-game upside than Buddy Heald, except for maybe, maybe Jeremy Grant, who we saw fade hard, and then his role this year is going to be super weird. Uh, but then Heald has the the 10th category, which is a really big deal. He's quite predictable, and if his shooting comes back in any meaningful way, there is your weird and maybe even a slightly a little tiny bit hidden upside. So that's a quick and dirty on Buddy Heald. I'm going to put him uh, actually one bucket ahead of Kemba Walker, and we'll probably be able to adjust him down, because I'm guessing the public perception isn't particularly high. Marcus Smart is the next name on the list. He actually plays somewhat similarly to Heald in that he had kind of a down year, at least in terms of what I thought he was going to do this last season on a per-game basis. The difference between Smart and Heald is that Marcus Smart always plays himself into an injury. He played 48 out of 72 games this year. That's bad. He was top 90 per game and worse, far worse than that by totals. We've heard that he's going to have a larger role as a as an orchestrator in the Celtics offense this coming year with no Kemba around and Fournier also, both of those guys going to New York in sort of different manners. Celtics traded Kemba and then he was released and moved over. And then Fournier was just, that contract just went away. So they're really... Uh, Dennis Schroeder is the guy they brought in that could kind of challenge Marcus for that point guardy kind of gig. But I think Schroeder will be part of the second unit. Let's assume, for argument's sake, that Marcus Smart gets a little better in assists. But I don't know that anything else changes all that much for him. I, I, I was really disappointed. I thought this last year was going to be one where he took a little step forward in offensive usage, and it didn't really happen. So he still strikes me as more of a top 75 kind of guy. I'm going to give him a little bump because Fournier and Kemba leaving. That's more on the way out than Schroeder on the way in. And these are are names that are around the periphery on this kind of thing. I think Marcus Smart plays relatively close to the league average in games, maybe ever so slightly below them. Um, But he's, he's probably also going to be a bit underdrafted. So let's do this. Let's move him actually down the board a tiny bit. 
if only because, again, there is that slightly capped upside. But while we're looking at him, I'm going to put him in the same general bucket as Kemba Walker that we had just talked about. Because I, I do think that that bucket we're working on, that we're going to probably have to split up at some point. Maybe I'll do it myself here over the weekend and come back with those adjustments to you on Monday show. Uh, Walker, maybe a little better per game. Yeah, okay. You know what? That's fine. Well, let's go ahead and put Marcus Smart in the next one. He, he can be our, our inaugural uh, bucket 17 player. And I'm strongly considering moving Jeremy Grant down into that bucket with Smart. Uh, but if Detroit doesn't shut Grant down for the last 10 games of the year, I think probably from a durability standpoint, he likely exceeds Marcus. So we'll leave Grant for si- in 16 for now. And uh, we'll come back to that. But Marcus Smart is now the official first player in bucket 17. And that's why we had to move him down the board a little bit. Because Mike Conley would have been the next name on the list. And he is like Marcus Smart, but uh, from a durability standpoint, but much better on the per game side. Conley was number 57, which put him very close to Kemba Walker. You kind of have to just link those two guys. They're going to be very similar in how they put up numbers in how many games they play. So if Walker's in bucket 16, then we got to put Conley in 16 too. Uh, That's a quick one. That's a quick one. I love it. So we can keep moving. I wanted to try to get more done on today's show, so it's nice when we can zip through a player. Al Horford is the next name on the list. You guys know I love me some big Al. Um, I don't think he's going to play as much in Boston as he did in Oklahoma City. Uh, at least at least from a per-game value standpoint. Horford's job in OKC, so from a minute per game, it might actually be not that far apart. He played about 28 minutes a game before he got shut down by the Thunder. 14, 7, and 3.5 and with a steal block and two three-pointers. 45% from the field, 82% at the free-throw line. That's a fairly repeatable line for Big Al on a Celtics team that's not going to be very good at rebounding. So they're actually going to need Horford to go and get a few of those. The guys like on the, on the Celtics that can go get a board is probably Big Al's backup, and that's Robert Williams. The starting unit for Boston is a little confusing. We could see Jason Tatum as the starting power forward if they ended up wanting to play Dennis Schroeder in the starting lineup. There are the the rotating cavalry of young guys that the Celtics have claimed are better than they are. Um, I'll be honest with you guys. I don't know if some of those guys may even be free agents at this point. Is Semi Ojale still on the Celtics? Like, that ilk of player, Ojale, Grant Williams, um, who the hell else are those guys on the Celtics that all kind of make up the same general area? Um... You got, I guess Jabari Parker. Is he still on the? Is he still on the Celtics? I think he signed a two-year deal with them, right? They uh, they brought in Ennis Cantor, who's kind of the backup to the backup, and I guess they could play Horford at the four and Time Lord at the five, because Horford can spread the floor a little bit. But just from like a and, and Aaron Neesmith is a. Uh, I think he's technically a small forward, but he could slide up a little bit. So it's not that it's not really all that locked in stone how the big man minutes are going to be. Suffice it to say, I think with Horford, you probably get pretty decent rebounding numbers because I think they're going to need him to do it unless we find out that he's playing more power forward. But the steals, the blocks, the assists, that all is going to stay nice. Free throw shooting is going to be fine. 
I think Big Al, they'll give him some rest days here and there, but they're going to be a lot better with him playing strong position defense. From a bucket standpoint, I actually like Al Horford in bucket 16 as opposed to bucket 17, and I could almost make a, a case for uh, buckets 14 or 15. The reason I would do the reason I put him in 16 is that I do think he gets drafted later than these other guys. Uh, but we can start him. Let's do that as far of our, as I think that's the way we've been doing it lately on this podcast. Also, is kind of starting guys at least in the buckets and where. I believe they should be, and then we'll make our adjustments up or down from public data later, as opposed to kind of baking that in a little bit right now. So uh, then we start to ask ourselves questions like, okay, well, does Al Horford fall into the I want him ahead of a guy like Kemba Walker or behind a guy like Kemba Walker? I think I'd probably lean in front of, uh, but it's pretty close. Mike Conley, it's pretty close. Lonzo, I think I'd probably go Lonzo over Horford. Jared Allen, I know that Horford actually had the better per game numbers, but the rest stuff, and then I think there's some upside baked into Allen that maybe isn't there. I might put Jared just a little bit out in front, and then if you move in another bucket upwards, you get into the Boucher, Brogdon, Zion crew, and that those are guys I think I would take in front of Al. So I, I don't think we're going to go bucket 14. I think we can probably start Horford in bucket 15, and then when we find out his ADP, I'm guessing we'll probably end up sliding him down a little bit. Uh, after Big Al is Derek White on San Antonio, and he should be higher on my board. Even as I'm saying this out loud, I have incredibly high hopes for Derek White this year. The problem is that we really haven't seen him stay healthy. If he stays healthy, he's going to absolutely wreck fantasy. Because if you look at, and you have to kind of do like the date range, past games kind of thing with White. Because he had... So few stretches where he was actually uh, able to play a full complement of minutes. But if you look at his last 15 to 20 games this year, he played about 32 minutes of ballgame average, 18-3-4, with almost three threes, 0.7 steals, a block, 44% from the field, which I think we we can almost, I don't know if we can safely assume will be higher, but will probably be a little bit higher, and good free throw numbers. And so if his usage goes up, this is a guy that could end up being a positive impact dude in almost everything besides rebounding. That is really remarkable stuff. I think Derek White actually has uh, some nice upside, at least in the terms of we're, the guys we're talking about in this range. We haven't talked about a, a, a truckload of upside. Uh, I just I don't know where he's going to get drafted. And I think I'd rather have him than some of these other guys we've been talking about. So I'm actually going to put him all the way up in bucket 14 for now. And while we're talking about him, uh, I want to slide him earlier on my actual board, uh, just so that I remember to, to make those those tweaks later on. Next player is Isaiah Stewart, who unfortunately is not going to be as amazing as we were hoping he would be because the Pistons brought in Kelly Olynyk. Uh, but Stewart's still going to play plenty. He'll still play plenty. And we saw with him, he really only needs 24 minutes to be inside the top 100. I think he probably gets like 26 to 29 minutes per ballgame, which should put him very safely in the 75 range. I'm hoping he beats league average uh, in games played. And so he becomes a really nice head-to-head type of guy. I'm going to put him in bucket 16 because I think the durability element is going to raise him up with some guys who might have a little bit higher per game output. 
but I like what I think he's going to do in Detroit. He's got a good fantasy game. It translates well, and maybe there's more minutes available than we realize, and he goes beyond that mark. He's a guy that I think we, we do have to at least consider shifting up the board a little bit. So don't worry again. I'm going to go through all this stuff, and I'll, I'll get all the names in the right damn spot. For now, I'm going to put Stewart in bucket 15 as we continue to rumble along. Um, we've done these handicaps on these guys before. They're just, you know, there's there's a lot there. Ben Simmons, the next name on the board. We don't even know where he's going to be playing, so I don't want to make, I don't want to do too much with him. I'm going to put him down with Marcus Smart in bucket 17. But if he ends up on a, in a, a spot where he gets to do a ton again, and he's just not in Philadelphia where now he's sort of persona non grata, He'll have a big jump forward, and we're going to need to be ready to make that adjustment. So that one, very much temporary. Just put a little you know, yellow circle around it so you remember to touch it up later. Bogdan Bogdanovich. I'm going to try, about, try to do about my 10 more minutes of this stuff and see how far we get. Bogdan, I missed badly on last year. I know he was hurt, so I could try to claim, oh, yeah, you know, I was low on him, and look at his totals value. He just wasn't very good. But he was 50 on a per-game basis. That was a miss on my part. I did not see him coexisting with Trey Young as well as he did. I have every reason to think he should be able to mostly replicate this, although admittedly he put up a lot of his big numbers with no Cam Reddish, no DeAndre Hunter. Guys were out. He's going to get pinched a little bit for playing time and usage. But if he can do that, top 50 in 13 shots per game, and we think he's going to get like 11.5 or 12, that falloff is not going to be that extraordinary and that's why i've got him in that 75 range um i just i don't i'm not a huge bogdan fan and i know it's probably gonna bite me in the butt two seasons in a row but i'm gonna put him in bucket 17 for now brooke lopez at number 78 uh showing himself to be a very durable player he's number 85 played in 70 games this year so he beat his mark he's not gonna get drafted early by the fantasy community i think he belongs uh, probably more like bucket 16 because he's now suddenly a super durable ball player. But I can basically promise you guys that when we get the ADP numbers, we'll be moving him down. He averaged 12 and 5, by the way, this year with half a steal and one and a half blocks. Very good percentages, one and a half three pointers. He actually stopped, he took fewer threes and increased his field goal percentage this season. That was kind of an, a fun little twist. Uh, 27 minutes per game, still fine. His role is largely untouched, I believe. Um, yeah, I mean, there's nothing really shaking up in, in Milwaukee from that standpoint, so no reason to think that changes all that much for Brook Lopez. Maybe is there a, a little bit of a, a fall-off because of the championship hangover? Maybe, but he could just as easily see his block swing back up to 1.7 or 1.8, and that would cover any fall-off in any other statistical category because blocks are so... So powerful. Every tenth of a block is actually a pretty big deal. So that's why we've got him where we've got him. Uh, Brooke Lopez should be fine this year. And uh, yeah, no problem there. I got Jakob Pertle right behind Lopez. Um, Pertle was number 75 on the season. He was better than that down the stretch. He probably now kind of re-looking at this stuff. He probably belongs a little bit earlier on the board. Uh, but for the fear that San Antonio ultimately gives his minutes to someone else. I just, like, he's not a superstar. He's not even a star. He's just a decent center. And I don't think the Spurs are beholden 
to giving Pirtle big starters minutes all season long. He's not their center of the future or anything like that. So if something comes along, and I like, there's no one on the Spurs that's racing for his job, but they brought in Zach Collins, and if he plays well, then you could see him get 22 of Pirtle's 48 center minutes. And so suddenly Jakob, who was playing 30 basically down the stretch last year, if that comes down a little bit, he falls outside the top 100. So there's a little bit of a, a fear there with Pirtle that any little shakeup and his wagon comes unhitched. And that's why I've got him where I do. He's actually probably the start of bucket 18 for me, um, if only because of that one element, that some little thing could happen and the whole thing comes apart. Slow-mo is behind Pirtle. By the way, we're, we're getting close to the finish here. Don't worry. Um, just for today. And then Monday, we will do probably the rest of the top 100. Tuesday, we'll do the extras. Eh, we'll see how it goes. Monday show might be a little bit longer. We'll see how all this stuff... Oh, that's Labor Day. Oh, yeah. None of you guys are going to be listening on Monday anyway. All right, well, we'll figure that out. We'll figure it out on the fly. This is how far in advance I actually look at things. The answer is not in advance. Slow-mo. Um, yeah, I mean, Memphis is in that weird pocket where they want to make sure they're competing, but they all also want to develop the young guys. And all season long, all slow-mo did was just produce. He ended up at number 66 on a per-game basis, played 69 out of their 72, 72 games. So his totals numbers were even better, you know, top, inside the top 50 Closing it on top 40 on a per-game basis. That's pretty remarkable. 12.5 points, almost 6 rebounds, 3.5 assists, 2 combined defensive stats. There's just a lot of interesting stuff to like. Good head-to-head pick. Not going to blow the doors off of anything. Um, And honestly, like, I'm going to put him in there with Pirtle right now. But as it stands today, he's the better fantasy player between those guys. I have Ja Morant at number 81. I still don't trust Ja. We still, I still personally haven't seen the fantasy jump that a player needs to take. And he'll be off the board long before he gets to us anyway, so who cares? Larry Nance Jr. I've got at number 82. Um, and that one, if I, I believe I, I lowered him a little bit on his way into Portland... He needs to be lower than this. Um, So I'm going to move Nance down the board a little bit. Some of it is the durability stuff. Some of it is just what's going to happen in Portland. It's not far. I'm only going to move him down by like a round of basketball. Uh, But yeah, I mean, he's going to need to be in the the next bucket that we haven't really approached yet. We talked plenty about Nance at the beginning of this week, so I don't want to rewalk that path. But his role is going to be a little smaller in Portland than would have been in Cleveland. He never makes it through the year. He's an upside roto per game cap or games cap guy and little else because he's not going to hit his mark in head-to-head because of the missed games. So I'm starting him in bucket 20, and he can, we might even be able to move him lower. He may end up being draftable in the no-man's-land bucket whenever we decide we want to actually start that process. Uh, last name for today, uh, uh, maybe we can do two or three more. Um, 
is Cade Cunningham. I've got him at number 83 on this board, I think. I don't I don't know, man. You know me and my rookies. Uh he, he I I'm just not. Yeah. Let's let's jump beyond that. I got to put him in a bucket. And so I'll put him in with Ja Morant for now, but I just there's so the, the learning curve is going to be something as it always was with the young guys. And he might be good at the very end of the year, and he might even be good by the middle of the season, but he's going to get overdrafted for where he ends up being. Kelly Olynyk is another name I've got on my board. I'm going to put him back up in bucket 18 with Pirtle and Slow-Mo because I do think he's going to get a nice role in Detroit. It's not going to be Houston level, but it's going to be much better than Miami. So that slots him somewhere in between those things. I'd rather have Kelly than these other guys we just talked about a second ago. And so to that end, I, I, I think... I could probably make the argument just move him up like three or four slots on our board. Um, and I, he may even get drafted later, so we'll have that opportunity as well. And last name we're going to do today is Chuma Okiki in Orlando. I think I personally think he's been a bit forgotten. He, he was playing well at the very end of the year. He was hovering right around the edge of the top 100. Then he got hurt. Uh, steals looked like a really nice part of his game. He was coming along. Orlando's blown everything to pieces. He's there, one of their prized youngsters, and uh, I think they'll just turn him loose. So I, I like this one as a little bit of an upside play. He, he profiles seemingly more of a 3 and D type of guy, uh, and I, don't, I think I'd rather have a guy like a Pirtle or an Olenek than him. So I, we probably need to move him down the board a little bit, uh, but Bucket 19 seems totally fine for now, and you won't be competing with him if, if the other guy's at Bucket 19 that we've done here is still on the board, but that's where we'll, we'll put a pin in things for now. So Monday, Labor Day, we'll probably do a little bit of a lightning round pod. We'll start at uh, roughly player number 86, which is Karis Levert, and uh, then we'll just kind of zip through. And I don't know that I'm going to live bucket those guys because it's just too complicated, and a lot of them actually end up falling into the same take-your-guy. And also, once you get to this point, you kind of have an order of the Flyers-type players that you're going to want to be hunting for. It's no longer a bucket. This is now go-get-your-guy zone. So the strategy does change a little bit. And you could hear that, I think, in my voice talking about it on today's podcast. It's At this point, it's not really that important to put these guys in buckets anymore. Once you get to pick, like, 60 or 65, you're starting to just hunt. You've got your guys that you want to go get. You know, you want Horford? Go get him. Who cares? Take them two rounds early. It's not that big of a deal. We miss by two to three rounds all the time at that range of the draft. So that's your opportunity to start to get a little bit wild. I, today's exercise in putting guys into buckets was was a little silly, but I wanted you to guys to, to walk with me right up to the precipice here, and that's pretty much where we are now. Because at this point, it's like, Larry Nance, Chumo Kiki, buckets? Nah. It's all one big, disgusting pile. That's your weekend show, everybody. Uh, hope you enjoyed it. We went a little faster. Some of you probably liked that. Some of you were like, Dan, where's your chill? And the answer is not here at this exact moment. I am Dan Bestworth for Fantasy NBA Today. Monday, Labor Day, lightning round. We'll finish up the buckets Tuesday. We will start in on phase two of all of this uh, insanity. We get ourselves ready for the start of the NBA season. Show number 80 of the offseason in the books. Enjoy your long weekend. Back at you on Monday. So long.
This has been a Hoop Ball presentation.